Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 99. We're a show that talks about pop culture things, and sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Andrea. Are you popping hey. your shoulders there? Is yep. that what's happening? A little, little whiskey, whiskey <laughs> dance, a <Okay>. whiskey pop. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. We're here on a very unusual night for us. You know, we're kind of a Fridays or Sundays kind of show, and today mm-hmm. is Monday. I know. Well, Getting after you know, it, Monday motivation. You know, good and ways. other such things. <laughs> to start a Monday. Yeah. It's with it's drinks. With us. It's, it's with a, us. Well, okay, with okay. With us and drinks. All right, you're right. <laughs> us, then drinks, all right? All right, all right. I forgive you for the ranking. <laughs> yeah. Just for the ranking. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so happy Monday. Uh, it is not any particular, you know, holiday like it was last week. Um, yeah. But it is a drink holiday today. It is National Vermouth Day. Um, you can cook with it. You can make a mean martini with it. It's versatile. So sure. do with it what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not have vermouth in my glass. I am celebrating from last week. A little carryover little whiskey ginger to celebrate St. Now Patrick's you've Day. got the whiskey I know, ginger, I know. of course. I was like, John's going to be so you, mad at you me. Just, <laughs> yeah, you're just going to rub it in. I know. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it last time. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. I did it today in honor of okay. St. Patty's Day. Nice. We kind of unfortunately missed it. Um, the Stewart household was down with a stomach bug. So oh. there was not a lot of celebration happening in yeah. our house that night. So today was kind of our makeup St. Patrick's Day. Chris uh, made shamrock pancakes and drinking a little two gingers whiskey. So happy yeah. St. Patty's Day carried over. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. And then uh, also last week, a couple of days before, it was a very, very different drink holiday. It was espresso yeah. martini day, which I can't say that I've ever had. So really? good, maybe. Have you? I... I feel like I must have tried one. Mm. I never ordered one, but yeah, I, feel I know like I've had like a, had to, a chocolate one, right? Yeah, I've had a, like mm-hmm. a chocolate martini. I, I again never ordered, but I think probably at somebody's house or you know mm-hmm. some party somewhere. But yep, yep. Okay, yeah, I uh, we we celebrated St. Patrick's Day. It's kind of always got to make sure it happens. Have the family over. So nice. Um, What'd you have for eats? Um, it, we, we made, um, uh, what's it called? Like Lochte again, um, mm, like mm-hmm. last year. So kind of a little pan- potato pancake with, yeah. uh, cab cooked cabbage and bacon and stuff and then bangers. So delicious. Yeah. And then I made, uh, made Irish soda bread that morning. So it's good to go there and good stuff. Way to rock yeah. it. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm going to bring it. Bring it with me today too. We've got a nice. Irish there you go. Red ale. So, there you go. It's yep. the spirit. I'll join you on your St. Patrick's Day. Well, thank on you. Honorary one. <laughs> um. All right. We have a lot of news. Um, we really do. We've got just got some uh, some fun stuff in our weeks. We'll cover here mm-hmm. uh, a number of news stories. Some will be able to fly through quick, but they're worth mentioning. And then later, we're going to talk about. I feel like this is a this is a different one for us. The yes. tragedy of Macbeth. I mean, right up your alley for sure. Yes, yes. 
Also, uh, hence the shoulder popping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, is on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. It's the latest version of the classic story. So mm-hmm. we will be getting a spoilery about that, but that will be much later. So, um, all right, your week, fun things, not so yes. fun things. A uh, little bit of both. You know, I mean, I already said mm-hmm. about the stomach bug. So, you know, yeah. there's there's on the downswing there. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving slightly upward, uh, we've been tackling some projects around our house, which though they've been going well and we've, you know, enjoyed them mostly, um, you know, it's always tough to, to kind of take away all that time and energy and do crafty things around your house. Um, yeah. We are finally a year after our floors were put in our house, putting in the trim so our house can look finished and nice and we don't have to look at our ugly baseboards with all the house layers of paint that have come before us. Sure, so, yeah. I mean, on the on the plus side, we've been finding some real fun colors and <laughs> questioning people's choices okay. pretty heavily. Yeah, but, I wonder uh, how many people had your place before you. Sorry, um. A- I know at least two. I mean, the couple we bought it from um, had been there, had been here a while, but the house was built in 87, which is my birth year. Um, so I know they weren't living here for like 30 years. So. For whatever reason, I didn't think 87. I just thought you were 88 with us. No, no. Oh. I'm that, uh, yeah, that Man. old gal, fish out of water <laughs> in 87. Yeah, I know, right? So old, six months older than you guys. Listen to my uh, wisdom, John. Okay, all right. Alan, <laughs> Alan too. So, our, okay, so both both you guys. That's right. I got to call you senpai. That's right. <laughs> Show me some respect, son. <laughs> <laughs> what? So what? Um, what's the Chinese zodiac for that? For eighty-seven. Rabbit, I think. Rabbit. Okay. I'm or hair. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Huh. Are you guys are you guys tiger? Dragon. Dragon. Okay. All right. I mean, I can't. It was complain. like a powerful animal. Yeah, I can't. Complain. You know, I just couldn't remember. Yeah. Well, you guys are I don't know. fast, anyways. You know. Yeah, rabbits are cute. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, it looks like a a birthday too, huh? Yes. Yes. Big on the upswing. Everett, our daughter, turned one year old this past week and I freaking can't believe it. Um, it just, it feels like it's gone so fast. And yet at the same time, I've definitely lived every one of those 365 days. (laughs) 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 I felt each of them and yet somehow now they're, they're slipping through my fingers. Um, yeah, crazy. Chris, uh, we had fun. Um, we introduced her to cupcakes for the first time, which she predictably loved. Um, also smashed predictably all over her face and clothes mm-hmm. when we got home. And I took her little like toddler jeans off of her. They were definitely more frosting than fabric. Like, <laughs> it was insane, but she had a ball. She loved it. So that was pretty cute. Um, nice. And then Chris for the past year had been doing one of those um, like one second every day uh, video like okay. you'd like take so you take video every single day for a year and then at the end of the year you kind of like choose um one second clips from every day and then this program will like mash them all into one big video so it's like your whole year 
in one second per day. It's pretty okay. cute. So we I did that with Everett. How your editing would go on that. That's a lot of chopping and editing. Yeah. But it's some yeah. program just upload the files and Yeah. So you so you upload the file and then you get to choose like this the one it's like one to one point five seconds you can get. Um mm -hmm. you get to choose that little clip and um you can do it. I think it lets you do it like retroactively, but I don't think you can do it all the way retroactively. I think that would take okay. you just bananas amounts of time. But um yeah, so you just like choose your one second or one and a half seconds per day. And then yeah, at the end of the year, the application just mashes them all together in this cute little video. So did it turn out well then? It did. It did. It was nice. really fun. Um it's like nine minutes long. So I mean, you know, yeah. decent length. Yeah. Um and it was fun. Like there were some moments that I'd kind of forgotten about and you can definitely like go all the way back to the beginning and be like, whoa, like that really was so different than she is now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she's basically a little bit over tripled in size and okay. obviously has way more ability to do things like, you know, crawl and stand and sit and, mm -hmm. you know, feed herself. So, yeah, it was just crazy to, to look back over that year. Very cool. Yep. Highly nice. recommend that. Awesome. So. Yeah, well, so it was fun. We got to thank you. Got to celebrate her birthday in style. Um, definitely, you know, a fan of the sugar. So she's can I do right that for Dobby? Can what? I do it a second a day for Dobby? Ah, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> I think That's it would be cute. adorable. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you like. Sometimes we would plan it out what we were gonna do, and then sometimes mm -hmm. it was like spontaneous. Like she would just do something, and we we're like, "Oh my god, do it again, do it again!" Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and then there were some days, like I think one or two days, we did forget. Um, but we could like steal video clips from her baby monitor. So like you know, okay. there's some like fun things she did. Like she like sneezed while she slept, or like we. Um, when she rolled over and slept on her stomach for the first time, like, you know, we could just steal mm -hmm. that from her baby monitor, which yeah, still yeah. freaks me out. Mm -hmm. Like, it's funny, like looking back at some moments, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like there were just some scary times too, mm -hmm. but yeah, mm -hmm. you should totally do it. It's really fun. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so, um, that's kind of all of my life events that have occurred, occurred over the past week. Um, in terms of entertainment things, I finished this last season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on okay. Amazon Prime. I'm really still enjoying that show. It's got one more season left to go, and I think it's it's the type of show that knows when it needs to wrap up. Like, okay, the, nice. the journey, yeah. it's cute and it's good, but it's like... Yeah, I have one more season of this and you're good. Nice. So, yeah, I would still highly recommend that. Um, And then I also on Disney Plus watched the new release Turning Red, a Disney Pixar movie um, about a Chinese Canadian teen um, who, because of a curse on her family, turns into a giant red panda when she hits puberty and her emotions run very high. So like every time she has like any type of really strong emotion, it like triggers and she turns into this giant red panda. So wow. she kind of has to navigate that, navigate school, navigate her family um, and her friends who are like all obsessed with this very 
awesome boy band that's like simultaneously a throwback to the 90s, 2000s, but also like current K-pop bands. I love it. Mm. It's just like everything. It's great. Nice. So highly recommend that as well. Um, And then I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth, of course, which we'll be talking about later. And then I just uh, dipped a toe into Apple TV's physical episode one. I saw that you'd watched that. It's been on my list for a long time. So I was just like, let's just do it. John did it. Like, it's the it's the catalyst for me jumping on, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just I wanted to try um, this is just looking at different shows on there. I like Rose yeah, Burns so much. You, know. you uh you had an Apple TV kind of week. Yeah. For for non-anime shows. Yeah. You were all about Apple TV. Yeah, I um um you know, got in our regular two episodes of the animes we're watching, mm-hmm. Don't Toy With Me and My Dress Up Darling. Both still good, lots of fun. So we're uh, episode eight of My Dress Up Darling and 10 of um, Don't Toy With Me. Mm-hmm. They're just the latest English releases of those. Sure. Um, and then managed to see the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie, mm-hmm. um, which came out on Friday. So right. it's the prequel to the season, but definitely want to see the season and then the movie. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And it sounds like it's doing well in the theaters too. Like it's, uh, it's making, making some money. So hopefully that stays a lot of times, you know, these anime films that they would put in the theaters, they used to like, it'd be a night fathom events, special screening Mm -hmm. at AMC, some theaters for a night. Uh, Yes, I remember that. This is for at least five days or something. It was in theaters for a while. So very happy nice. to see that change. I agree. It's so hard to make anything for just a night, you know? Mm-hmm. It just always feels like, well, you know, what if I really, really like it? What if I really want to see it? And I'm just busy that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so recommend that. Um, yeah, regular. There's a there's a new Ghost Adventures that started. We haven't been watching that for quite a while, but thought, well, we'll try the new stuff, see what's happening there. Um, lots of UFC in just the background. And then, yeah, you mentioned the um, Apple TV kind of week. Macbeth, obviously, physical. And then I tried We Crashed as well. I wasn't exactly planning. It was like, oh, it's an hour long. I don't know. <laughs> but I give it a shot um, with it being a new show. And um, I don't know who this is based on. It's based on a true story and real people. Right. The Do you, we work. Are you aware? Yeah, are you aware of these this story, this real life yeah. story? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, know. I roughly, I couldn't, I couldn't like, you know, mm-hmm. if you sat me down in a courtroom, I couldn't give you like a sketch of the plot there. But uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I essentially know the story of the WeWork founder. Okay. Okay. So good performances so far. You know, that's mm-hmm. what's kind of keeping me in uh, on it so far. And um, yeah, I was trying to decide if I, I was like, okay, I only have time to watch one of these. Is it going to be mm-hmm. physical or is it going to be we crashed? And I just felt like physical has been on my list. I love Rose Byrne. I love the premise of it. Yep. So I just time kinda... setting, you know, yeah. I want to see the And yeah, I think it's based on first episodes. Physical is 
Not what I expected Agreed. so far. Um, it's darker than I expected it to be. Yeah. And I, it's like, I can see my, I can relate more than I thought in some ways. Um, but then like seeing a very extreme kind of, uh, like the inner turmoil of her yeah. lead character. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'd, I didn't, didn't expect what it was. Yeah. I, I had kind of the same reaction. Like there were, there were moments where I was like, I've, you know, that kind of not to that level and not that um, intensely. But, you know, I've had some of that like talk with myself and I think, mm -hmm. you know, there that's the very slippery slope sometimes of being concerned about, you know, your weight and and how you mm -hmm. look and, and diets and things like that. It can it can really spiral out of control. Um, yep. And obviously, you know physicals exploring that but yep yeah yep. very different so. than what i expected but still really really good and i think is getting into more of the meat of what i thought it was going to be in the next couple of episodes okay you okay. know just kind of getting yeah. into that like aerobics lane mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yeah um good enough for me to keep trying anyways see what's happening same, same. And then uh, I started reading Daredevil graphic novel again a little bit, Daredevil Chinatown. Um, and it's a couple different graphic novels I've been wanting to read. Uh, there is a new, uh, not new, there's a, I bought way back in the 90s uh, an issue one of a Spider-Man. It was a kind of a restart with done by Todd McFarlane. I loved it. It's a really, really cool issue. Yeah, but I've never continued the arc. And in this arc, they also include uh morbius so like mm. i would i kind of want timing yeah i kind of want to pick it up i don't have that one i kind of want to pick it up and read through it and like i'm familiar with in spider-man world only familiar with morbius from the animated series right i've never read any comics with him actually as a villain so sure yeah well like i said uh, good timing is that comes out on april 1st unless yeah. that's a giant april fool's joke yeah, I mean, be... considering the, considering the release date has been pushed and pushed and pushed, I mean, yeah. it'd be it'd be kind of fitting mm -hmm. and very ironically funny. Ha -ha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I'll use this then to transition into our news. Uh, I've been playing yeah. Mario Kart Eight and the new tracks that are available on there, and you know, we have been kind of leading up to this, trying to make sure we have gold trophies in all of the different speed categories and stuff like that on all the existing tracks uh we didn't quite get there yet um so but yeah we've been trying the new tracks now and it's been a lot of fun so sure. i'm very very excited about this um and mario world mm -hmm. is finally going to be coming stateside yes it is it's coming to uh universal in california in 2023 or so, so the rumor goes. Um, yeah, I will totally be there. I want to ride a real life Mario Kart ride. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to be in Florida, though. I mean, Florida traditionally has the bigger, better Universal. I you know? agree. And Disney and everything. I I agree with you for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't make that decision, so I don't yeah. know why well, they picked California. I think it's coming to Florida too, just 
not maybe later soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I uh, mean, this particular article I found hadn't really mentioned Florida. So I don't, I mean, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. one way or another, but yeah, it's yep. definitely planned for California, especially after uh, the opening in Japan went so well. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. Uh, sticking on the video game talk. I, this is very uncommon for me, but I missed this state of play. Oh, Sony sure. state of play featuring the upcoming Harry Potter game. I think Hogwarts legacy. Uh, yeah. And, um, it's quite a bit of gameplay, I guess I've heard reactions. People okay. were pretty impressed. Uh, it seemed like it was more, uh, ambitious than people figured it would be. Good. So I really haven't heard a lot of a negative what, you know, people came away pretty positive so that's great yeah I, I feel like that's so rare <laughs> <laughs> i still so have to watch it things and are so disappointing myself, and yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's just like there's there's always something you know no matter mm-hmm. how good it is there's always something so yeah for it to get a positive review i'm happy i think we're just getting to a point where again the technology is so universally accessible and there's so much so much talent out there the talent pool is very big for making games and it's kind of like i think that's part of elden ring why mm-hmm. that shocked so many people is it just blew away their expectations they never sure. imagined that from soft would make a game so expansive and so ambitious mm-hmm. and then they drop it in your lap and it is and mm-hmm. so you know we're kind of used to usually video games based on pre-existing IP, you know, not being all that great to start with. And so, yeah, if you get one of those revealed and it's just, you know, not a cookie cutter, whatever right. you, you know, would imagine it's, yeah, it's a, you're in for a surprise. And I think that's, yeah, I'm excited. Make your own character, go in your dormitory and, you know. Oh, you're back on Hogwarts. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Otherwise, Elden Ring is way different than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, you know, you can maybe set up camp somewhere and it's called my do- this call it my dormitory. <laughs> yeah, you and like one other player can, you know, hang out in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So excited. Um, one other thing in gaming, a quick I'll say too, I think early reviews are out for Ghostwire Tokyo. That's oh, coming okay. out very shortly. Oh my God, there's another gaming story. Okay, okay so reviews for, for Ghostwire Tokyo are looking pretty good, like sevens okay. and such. And then uh, Solid. they did a Xbox indie showcase, I think, uh, last week, and they surprise dropped Tunic on Game Pass. Oh, nice. So Tunic is basically a company that wanted to make their own kind of Zelda-like game your cute fox wearing a tunic like link is or whatever very beautiful fun art style and uh i think people i I haven't read any reviews but i think people are liking this too and it was definitely a surprise like bam here it is on game pass so nice hey look at that good gaming news how i know yeah absolutely There's more too, but I'll I'll save it for now. <laughs> I know. I was gonna I was gonna since you brought up Elden Ring, I was gonna bring up something and then I was like, no, 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 we don't have time. We don't have time for this. Okay. okay. Like... <laughs> uh we talk a little bit about uh superhero things because of course what dominates pop culture talk more than superhero things. Right. Netflix did put the 
or sorry, Disney did put the Netflix Marvel shows <laughs> onto their streaming service now. So they are so much once hope again in available. that Netflix put them back. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think it's is this is great. This is great news. Yeah. It's it's suggesting that they're open to clearly open to mature content mm-hmm. on their service. Uh, right. some be worried, like if they're going to censor anything or like make it whatever that apparently it's as what as it was, um, they featured him on the home screen and stuff, I think. So yeah. I heard some people say, Hey, the best Disney plus shows are now available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forget. Um, I mean, when I, when I look back at like, say WandaVision and Loki, um and hawkeye and things like on the whole they were pretty you know pg-13 but there were there were some moments that that kind of showed disney taking baby steps you know kind of getting into a little bit more mature content a little bit of you know action and and violence there that i mean probably falcon and winter soldier was like the darkest they went but yeah, when they had the, again, they took they took like baby steps. Yeah. The World Organization, I forget it, mm-hmm. forget the name of it now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there was some pretty dark stuff in there. But yeah, I obviously not to the level of the Netflix shows. Yeah, and it's a difference between you know suggesting and in knowing what's off camera versus then yeah. showing it. You know, well, and they, yeah, they, they did again, like baby steps. There were, I mean, you know, in, 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 uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, there was like a murder on camera that we watched, yeah. you know, like bombs exploding and, and, uh, hitting actual people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't show like body parts flying around right. now, but, you know, they, they were kind of testing the waters, we'll say. Yeah. Well, I'm happy they're there. I hope more people get exposed mm-hmm. to them. I hope, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk going around where Daredevil is going to appear next exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the Echo show makes perfect sense. The uh, It would seem disappointing if that wasn't the case, honestly. Right. Um, the She-Hulk show makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then there's been some rumors about, um, oh, well, okay, I'm going to kind of skip around here in this. Sure. We'll lead into this. There's been some rumors about the next Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and the rumor, this rumor is Anya Taylor-Joy, the uh, one of the it people right now, mm-hmm. seems, is, has reportedly been cast as Black Cat mm-hmm. in the 2024 film Spider-Man 4. And Charlie Cox is expected to be in there as well. I mean, I am uh, I am good with both of these developments. I'm not going to lie, Charlie Cox more so because I love him and I love his turn as Matt Murdock. And like, as far as I'm concerned, he can cameo in everything if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I really love the show and I really love his portrayal. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's for the the uh, I'm pickier about the characters I care more about and Mm -hmm. it's someone like Kingpin that when we see him outside of where we've seen him thus far outside of the Daredevil series though it's exciting was not handled as well 
in my opinion, as right. So as much as I want more and it's like, that's, you know, it's not waste time. We could have been having Daredevil and things already before or whatever. At the same time, I want him to do it right and keep the integrity of the character and yeah. don't just throw him everywhere. Yeah, I get you. I mean, in all seriousness, um, I I want there to be a balance between doing it right and doing it because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean... Ultimately, if if the idea is that he can appear in things that people would be seeing for other reasons and, you know, they kind of get introduced to the character, thus introduced to the show, perhaps we get another season like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. You know, let's use this to momentum build. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, you can do that and I have no shame about that. Go, go get it. If that's the end result, then great. Mm-hmm. Go get it. But yes. I do ultimately care also that it's not just total throwaway crap. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm willing to forgive a little bit, but you know, don't do them wrong either. Yep. Yep. It'd be one of those things like, oh, the fans wanted it and then they don't do it just, well. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, oh, I thought you wanted this. Well, we want you to not mess it up. Right. That. Yeah. So I think, and and as far as the other part of the story with Anya Taylor Joy, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a potentially fun casting uh, for Black Cat. I'm a little worried about what they will do with Black Cat. Like, it's not really a type of um, kind of vixen character that Marvel is particularly amped to put to screen these days. Mm-hmm. And so, if they're not going to make Black Cat, Black Cat again, just leave her out of it. Mm-hmm. But she's pretty cool. She's like a Catwoman, you know. Um, well, and so. I f- I feel like your concerns are more to do with the character rather than potentially the casting. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean. Like sure. the casting news, I'm I'm excited-ish because I think she's a great actress. Obviously, um, TBD on whether she fits the role because what is the role going to be? Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, potentially excited. Hope it's done well. If this is yep. true. Yep. Um, did you? We, we haven't really talked about the Spider-Man movie, right? The last one. No, we haven't. Mm-mm. Okay. Did you did you see it? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, then we went. We wouldn't talk in about it. Right? My plan it yes. is. No, I swear. It's, it's, <laughs> okay. Um, it's perfectly fine. I just was gonna like comment because you know I was gonna say seems like everybody's happy with what Sony's doing largely mm-hmm. on their end of the Marvel spectrum. But I was kind of let down by the latest Spider-Man movie. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. When so. you first saw it. So, yeah, I mean, I felt in the in the moment I was really excited to go see it and then just kind of really didn't fit into my timetable. And since then, I've sort of like lost the, the yeah. drive um, mm-hmm. without like, Hey, we're going to talk about it on the podcast or, you know, something's yeah. some other big reveal is happening. Go watch Spider-Man because you don't want to miss X. Yep. Yeah. Just haven't gotten there. Yep. Um, A little more Marvel stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Oh, yeah. So this ties in. Uh, I kind of 
jumble this up a little bit, but Anya Taylor Joy just quickly was also rumored to maybe be Harley Quinn. Like they're, yeah. So I think they were, I think it was maybe Matt Reeves from doing the Batman was like, he's clearly thinking ahead what Mm -hmm. he'd like to do, has in mind different stuff. Right. And with it seeming like Margot Robbie is kind of maybe done for now. Mm-hmm. Um, that if he were to bring in Harley Quinn, I, so I don't know if this is anything more than the director in his head seeing the Thinking character. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I was I was reading that article and they were talking about um, ways that you know if this is true and she's you know potentially going to be Harley Quinn, where could she fit into what's going on with like Reeves's Batman and. You know, the, I I agree with the writer of the article where they were like, um, probably not going to be introduced in the cinematic universe unless Margot Robbie officially says, mm. you know, I'm not going to be Har- Yeah, I'm not going to be Harley Quinn. So we're like, OK, well, that really kind of leaves his TV universe. And that's looking less likely because, of course, um, we now know that the one of his two shows that was in development in HBO Max, the one that was going to follow um, a Gotham police officer that got the axe. So now there's just like the penguin focus story. And the writer was like, mm, seems more unlikely, you know, it might happen maybe somewhere in like season two, if it gets picked up. Um, but have a hard time feeling like Harley Quinn would be linked with like a penguin origin story. I was like, yeah, sure. that kind of makes sense. They're not traditionally two characters that really, you know, no. you see go together. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know if, like you said, this is maybe Matt Reeve just like thinking out loud, if this was like a potential, like, you know, we're generating some movement based on this one show. Now it got canceled. Now we're, you know, kind of left dangling in the wind and we don't know what we're going to do. But well, and what better way as a, you know, high profile director on a big movie to just toss out a name that you like? So like let the the person and the agent of that person know. Yeah, hey, come to you, man. <laughs> yep, let's. Uh, <laughs> Just so. thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I think she's got a great look for Harley Quinn, but I'm just sort of not as enthused um, about that potential casting. I'd rather, I think, okay. see her as Black Cat. Okay. And I just think. I mean, I'm fine with, you know, when Hollywood finds people they like, it's fine. But, you know, let's not put Anya Taylor-Joy and Zendaya in everything. You know, yeah. it's, it's just cool. Yeah, we don't need to be in everything. <laughs> yeah. So. um, Lots of shows coming to Disney Plus in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And um, the latest one that well, we got a trailer for, I should say, because mm-hmm. Moon Knight's next. Uh, yes. is Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. She's got a trailer drop for that one. Um, did you get to, did you get to watch it? I did. Yes. Are you, do you have any familiar familiarity with this character? Um, like general story arcs. Yes. Um, I can't say that I have fully read a comic. I've read a couple pages of different stories, but it's not my like number one. I know everything about Miss Marvel. Okay. Yeah, the Marvels and Miss Marvel and all that stuff has really been like in the comic book space, like 
worked and reworked a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, it's come in kind of a weird, tumultuous timeline for for the the name, anyways. And, yeah, I was going to uh, say, I know this one is a reboot based in 2013. I think this particular version of the right. character. Mm-hmm. So, as I mean, yeah. I was you know after the trailer, going back to kind of dig into what I did and didn't know generally. So that's yep. what I remember from this. I'd like to know how well this character has um, done. It's been the character's been kind of a media darling, but I want to know like if people are interested or not. And I was after watching this trailer because we kind of had suspected it earlier when we saw a little snippet in like what Disney Plus Day or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, this doesn't look like her powers, right? And indeed, they changed her powers they completely. Did. They did. And it's another one of those things. I have never read a Ms. Marvel comic, not this version anyways. So I don't have a stake in the game or a mm-hmm. horse in the race or whatever. But um, <laughs> but if I was a fan of this, I would be pretty upset. Like, mm-hmm. I won't be upset for you. You can be upset for yourself or whatever. Right. But I would be bothered by this that she now has some sort of cosmic altering, harnessing abilities uh, versus like being basically before Mr. Fantastic stretching, big fist stretch and punch. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, anybody, anybody out there feel free to like add us if there is like some sort of storyline that we don't know about that, you know, there is something in the comics, even one that they're like really taking and stretching and running with, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that, you know, even though this is like a, a show based on like a revamp of a character, you wouldn't have that like throwback and call out to these original powers. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like they're going to use her. I don't know. It just it just screams to me that they don't have confidence in the character. They're like, mm-hmm. this character is not cool enough. Oh, genetics. Powerful enough or something. Word. Yeah. So, huh. I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't say it's one I'm excited for. We'll see what the reviews say when it comes out. And now I'll kind of be basing my judgment on whether I'm yeah. uh, up for it or not. This one. You know, maybe it's more, ta- maybe it's more tailored towards kids or something. This. Yeah, it's a very like, you know, teen, teen drama show. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, on the on the flip side, they can't all be adults. You know, it's it's nice that we we get a little age variation here. So maybe this will be really cute. Who knows? Yep. Um, Okay, switching from one science fiction thing to another. What's Mm -hmm. this you found? This is interesting. Uh, I like don't I don't even know how to like express this. Um, so I found this article, (laughs) um, that was talking about, uh, um, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, and they were talking about Doctor Who, I mean, something we haven't talked about in a really long time, right? Yeah, right. Our, our time, Lord. Um, so yeah, so they were talking about the, uh, the guessing game of who's going to play the Time Lord after Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. And there's some rumors going around that it could be Hugh Grant. Hugh. 
Hugh Grant. And I just, I can't with this. This, if this. Really? Okay. All right. I mean, this just feels like celebrity stunt casting. It, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I mean, (laughs) and I, and I don't mean I don't like Hugh Grant and I don't Mm -hmm. think he's a bad actor. He's he's really done I'm a text range right now and tell him that you get what's you yeah, right. He so cares. He's waiting. Yeah. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. waiting to read my review and my opinion. Um, but yeah, I just I don't like this. The whole substance of this article, you know, is talking about like Russell T Davies coming back and you know expanding yeah. and and like Doctor Who's going to be this sort of Marvel like franchise series. And Hugh Grant's going to helm it. And I'm like, I I hate all of these words being put together. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Yeah. I really do. That's not what mm. Doctor Who is. And I think it's what's wrong with the show now. It's gotten too big for itself. You know, it's it's got too much money. It's got too much effects. It's got too much like of that weird pressure of like, do the bigger, better, cooler storyline, story arcs. What can the TARDIS do? What can the Doctor do? Like, I just feel like what it really needs to do is shake all that off and go back to the root of its story. And this is this is nothing of what I want to see in Doctor Who. There's nothing wrong with Marvel. I love Marvel. I love, like, their whole universe but i I I will contradict you on there is nothing there is nothing okay i don't i don't mean that literally (laughs) i just mean uh you know in general there's nothing wrong with enjoying yes Yes. there's nothing wrong with enjoying the marvel universe for what it is and what they're building doing a great job but that doesn't mean i want everything to be like marvelized yeah i and it and especially a show like this and so this from top to bottom just feels like wrong directions I was I was talking to Ashley a little bit the other day about like distilling down some of the problems of of Hollywood mm-hmm. and um, like one thing in particular, obviously, this is BBC, not Hollywood, I guess. But right. Um, it's just comes to this. This insatiable greed that makes everything vanilla. Mm-hmm. So you have. um it's it's insatiable greed guised in moral supremacy that creates vanilla blah for everything. So mm-hmm. you have like, if you have a show show A, and they you know they'll do their research and they'll see their um, you know the viewership and they're like, okay, here's the demographic that this show is catching on with. This is the sure. demographic that uh, is most watching this show and then it breaks down other demographics that are a much smaller percentage. Mm-hmm. And like, we need more people on this. We, we're, we have the demographic that's maybe very passionate and very interested in this show, but that's not enough. We have to appeal to a wider audience. That's not enough. We need to appeal to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. That's not enough until everybody can be happy. And you know how you make everyone happy? You don't. You don't make everyone happy. <laughs> and occasionally you hit the sweet spot where a ton right. of people are happy. Right. But mostly what you start doing is watering down something that would be very design. 
designed for someone very specific. I, right. I talk about Japanese culture a lot. Like there are mm -hmm. a million subgenres of manga because they're not afraid to target demographics and accept that it, with the budget they're putting into it, that if they hit with that demographic, that they will be a success. Right. It's golden. Yeah. Right. Now that same company will make books for other demographics. Mm -hmm. And then if they're a hit with that demographic, it's a success. Mm -hmm. Hollywood is so afraid to do this. They can't be like, we want to target 18 to 30 year old white women. Mm -hmm. And this is who we think is going to most likely watch this. Mm -hmm. And then if it does well with that audience, That's they're enough. not happy with that. Yeah. They need more. They like, know yeah. we need to get everyone in. A, and it's like you're different people. Things can resonate with, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And you can have like, not everyone is going to appreciate the tragedy of Macbeth that we just watched. Mm -hmm. There's probably a specific audience that ended up watching that. And we're probably mm -hmm. not it, honestly, you know, like we're probably not in the typical demographic that's enjoying the film. Yeah. I'm probably an outlier in that demographic. <laughs> right. Right. And that's great. You know, like we watched uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. It's designed for young men. It's really what it is. Ashley loves it. Loves that show. Mm -hmm. Fine. She's an outlier. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, Hollywood is incapable of being okay with this line of thought. And mm -hmm. we're going to get everything that just is blah, because once you make it for everybody, it's designed for nobody. And which uh, is, which is really why I feel sequels have such problems because that's what they do. They, you know, like you usually have a first movie that feels targeted. Like it's, you know, like a little broad there's moments where they're like we could we could like open it up a little and see who we catch but it's really focused and then that's where sequels usually stumble is like oh my god everybody loved that somehow like let's yeah. do that but like broaden to catch these people by design yeah and that's what sequels usually get a bad rap for is because they're so like oh like that wasn't as funny and that was like watered down and that was more like bland than whatever, you know, the first yeah. movie did. You lose artistic integrity mm -hmm. because when you maybe wrote that initial thing, maybe it came from someplace that, you know, something inspired you. And so it naturally it less about, what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was less about the success or your audience maybe um, yeah. in, in terms of financial. You know, I mean, right. it was still probably about your audience, but it was more like, I really want to appeal and I hope they like it and they hope they enjoy it rather than like, I hope they enjoy it and spend money on it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I mean, I know at some point everything breaks down to money, but I just feel like it's just a degree less usually in your first iteration of something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a little bit more about making that well and, and having people like it, that target demographic like it, rather than like just being a broad commercial success. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh so, well, yeah, no. I mean, Doctor Who, we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I, sorry. I, I really, I just no. hate everything that happened in that article. I really uh, it's, do. It's uh, Doctor Who is another one of those franchises that's just dead to me. Like, I if it's if it comes back, and it's amazing. It's just With so this was the nail and coffin potentially for you. It's like if they go yes. in this route. Yes, especially especially when they were like. He's coming back to marvelize it. I was like, no, yeah. I'm out. I'm out so hard. I mean, 
there was a sliver of a chance I could have given to Hugh Grant, but no, not now. Not not now that like this is the direction they're choosing to go. You know, it, it's like I get some people, you know, it's like my thing where I overreact with Star Wars or whatever. Um, I get the idea that, well, OK, so you don't like the sequel trilogy, but then you can like all the, you know, you like Mandalorian, you can like Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. you can like whatever other things, you know. Yeah. But when the damage done, when if you care about something like the integrity of a world, when the damage is done to the integrity of the world, there's mm-hmm. things you can't <clears throat> you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. Like you wrote that. That's what happened now. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if if that's a grievous enough thing, you've damaged the rest of the world. Like some people are are very excited about a return of a certain character towards the end of the book of Boba Fett. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, I won't say who it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, you already wrecked that character. Mm. That character is a dead character in my book. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you they show him doing something cool now. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Yep. And so a Doctor Who is kind of like that. Some of the revelations in the tail end of, I guess, what's been happening in Whitaker's line is beyond the pale. You've yep. changed the canon and the backstory and the meaning of everything too yep. much that you can't go forward now and mm-hmm. look at it the same. Mm-hmm. Unless they do some sort of desperate retconning thing mm-hmm. like they attempted to do in Star Wars Episode Nine, right. And that, in my book, failed miserably. Again, it just it looks really desperate. did. It really did. So Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I feel like is happening here. This is just it's so it's so they're like taking this horrible mess and like seeing if they can just like push it to the extreme to make it better. Do you know what I mean? Like they're Mm -hmm. just they're just like taking it and running with it. And like maybe it'll get better this way if we like go harder at it. And (laughs) no, no. So I'm highly disappointed by that news. And again, nothing personal against Hugh Grant. He's a fine actor. I've I've watched him both be comedic and serious and do both well. But this this is not his vehicle and Russell T Davies like marvelizing it is not the solution. So bye. All right. <laughs> um I'm going to say literally nothing. All I need to say is Netflix <laughs> is making a live action Resident Evil series. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. I know. I just it's so much. They're 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 weirdly on Resident Evil. They, I you mean, know what they I must mean? have bought some rights, right? I, or they, something uh, somewhere some... because they just had like a little the like, movie. four episode oh, limited episode? series. Okay, I thought it was a film, but may, yeah, it was okay. They may have also had a had a animated film. To be quite honest with you, they I I swear I saw multiple Resident Evil yeah. content on the service. But yeah, they're really on it right now. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're looking to capitalize off Resident Evil Eight, you kind of came in too late here. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems it just seems to me like if you're gonna if there was a video game franchise that was easy to make a movie or a short series based on it would be resident evil mm-hmm. 
it's just a zombie movie, guys. Right. Okay. T virus infects people. You know, Leon Kennedy or Jill Valentine or Chris Redfield, like pick a Leon. character and they get to like <laughs> go through and defeat a big enemy. And I just like, I don't know. Oh my God, you like, made a movie, John. I, I just don't <laughs> like it's been done so many times. I know. If you like it's I'm not saying you'd be doing something original. You'd be doing that's what it is. Resident Evil isn't exactly original. Mm -hmm. They even got uh, claims against uh, plagiarism in the last Resident Evil for mm -hmm. taking monsters and designs from other people's stuff. So yep. I just don't know. Like this doesn't, you, you don't need to get Mila Jojovic to like do slow-mo jump flipping things or whatever. And I don't know. If, uh, Alan says Paul W.S. Anderson is already calling you for your script, John. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll to get back to him. We can leave a message. Um, John I is just, busy right now. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. I mean, there's such a there's such a level of incompetence if yeah. you can't make this right. I yeah. think. I don't know. I don't know. I said I wasn't gonna say anything about it. Damn. Look at that. And then you wrote a movie. <laughs> uh, well, that was really okay. I mean, that's really bad. Don't take, you know, don't take that, whatever. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Headlining topic. Mm -hmm. The spoiler cast element of this. Mm -hmm. The tragedy of Macbeth. Mm -hmm. um, I, see, uh, I see we both dressed in our like muted colors here. This black oh, and white man. film. You know, that would have been really cool if I did like a, a green screen, just photo of my normal background, turn it black and white. Yeah. And like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth on Apple TV Plus. Mm -hmm. um, it's Cohen film. Mm -hmm. uh, is it Joel? Yes. Joel. He's, he's the one that uh, McDormand is married to. Yeah. So um, kind of a duo making this film along with uh, Denzel Washington. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen it and you care, spoiler, spoilers. We have fortunately on hand uh, a resident Shakespeare <laughs> expert. Why, I mean, thank you. I should have I should have put like uh, your qualifications under your on your lower third. Right. For right. Talking about Shakespeare tonight. Yeah. My masters, mm -hmm. all the Shakespeare plays I've been in. I haven't been in Macbeth, though. Oh. I've, I've done uh, Lady Macbeth's famous monologue. OK. Know, out damn spot. Um, but I haven't actually been in Macbeth. OK. Not a, not a lot of uh, opportunity there. There's obviously. In the theater world, a lot of superstition around the play. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the play. When you're in a theater, you don't ever say Macbeth you, okay. because it's bad luck. You have to say the play that's not named. I feel like Tempting Fate. Or the Scottish play is what you call mm. it. So, anyway, just a okay. little, little trivia, what? little theater okay. trivia for you. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's perfect. You can 
lay it on me because I am <laughs> what I would basically consider Shakespeare illiterate. Um, I have uh, li limited um, exposure to Shakespeare, though I will say mm -hmm. that I did like Macbeth when we read that in school. Sure. That was one that we did read, and I did think that we one was too. pretty cool. We did so. too. Um, yeah, we we actually I had a couple of teachers who were very very into Shakespeare, which is probably what helped um, you know kickstart my my love of mm -hmm. the Bard. And um, yeah, I was always volunteering to read. I I felt like I really got his language, and so I played a, a variety of roles in Macbeth. My favorite being the Weird Sisters. Um, but yeah, played a lot of roles in Romeo and Juliet, Julius Caesar. Yeah, did some good stuff. Yeah, I was uh, Friar Lawrence in, nice. we, when we read Romeo and Juliet. Nice. So I like that character. I was at times Juliet, sadly, with one of my friend's boyfriends at the time. So, of course, like in middle school, that was like <gasps> a big deal. Right. Yes. That he was playing opposite, you know, for the balcony scene. My God. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was the nurse um, trading body jokes with Mercutio. And that was really fun, especially because looking back on it now, I definitely only got like maybe half of them and probably half again were wrong. So, yeah. Okay. That was a good time. Yeah. So tell us what um, what you appreciate about most about Shakespeare, what you love, what this drawn you to him. So you said already, you know, like you probably have some teachers that were passionate about it that mm -hmm. helped kickstart things that you say you kind of feel like the, the, the language, would you say that, you know, when you say that did it resonate with you or mm -hmm. you just were able to understand it better than most or. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's certainly a number of things for me about Shakespeare. Um, you know, of course, like like you said, I had teachers who were very passionate about Shakespeare, so that helped. I felt like I picked up on understanding the language a little bit quicker than my classmates did. So there was like there's a sense of pride in like figuring out the puzzle, you know, mm -hmm. like when you get it and you're just like, I get this. Like I feel the cadence. Like you you just feel like you start to understand the words when you speak them out loud in a really different way, and you're just like. Even though two seconds ago I had no idea what this word meant, I somehow feel like I do now. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's just like a trick of it where you're just like, I'm I'm in this, I get this, and you know, suddenly it just clicks with you. Um and I I feel like, you know, setting aside the debates about, you know, whether or not Shakespeare really wrote all of his plays, you know, mm. kind of just just accept it at face value for now it's hard not to be attracted to that kind of genius, you know, whose works resonate how many hundreds of years later, you know, that we're still studying and finding so fascinating and just like the sheer volume, the output that he did um, and his, you know, his coining of phrase that we still use, mm -hmm. you know, the words that he invented I mean, you know, if, if some accounts are to be believed, he's, you know, invented tens of thousands of new words. Mm. I mean, that's just insane that one person could do so much. It's hard not to just, 
you know, kind of pour over those texts and just be like, wow, how, how did this one person, person accomplish all of this and speak stories that, you know, might not resonate in terms of we don't have kings and queens and we're not fighting over thrones, but there's still such a human element in each of his stories, whether it's a husband and wife relationship, a father, daughter, um, you know, like brother and sisters. There's, there's just so much humanity in these, you know, epic stories of love, of power, of tragedy, of comedy, um, of history, of war, of, you know, epic love. I just, yeah. So it's correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong is, uh, Shakespeare was viewed eventually as pretty like popular, great mm -hmm. entertainer, right? At the time, you know, it was mm -hmm. very kind of uncommon for a lot of, I think what we look back on, we see that they didn't in their time get the recognition that we feel they would have deserved now. Whereas I think Shakespeare's, he kind of feels the other way around and we like continue that on, yeah. but like got the recognition at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had his, his high and low points, of course, like anyone did. And he started off pretty slow. Um, and he didn't, he didn't write everything that was perfect. Um, and yeah, like I said, he, he and the, uh, other, um, chamber actors were struggling for a while and then, you know, he was able to start writing things that were resonating with his common audience and sure. just kind of like carried him up and up and up the ladder to be performing for, you know, monarchs and, and noble lords and ladies and things like that. So, yeah. So why did, you know, for something that was like, you know, grew to popularity and with a very specific or, you know, as far as I'm aware, unique way of writing, Mm -hmm. How come more of that didn't, I feel like a lot of, maybe, maybe we're getting at some already with, like when you say with phrases and things we still use today or whatever, mm -hmm. but there definitely is, I feel like in pop culture things today, we do come to a lot of new words and lingo and slang mm -hmm. and stuff. And it does change. You feel like there was enough of a, so you had a large influence in this way. And I, the idea that it came from one man, because like I get lots of, uh, gamer slang or lingo, or, you know, maybe from martial arts or something like it's like different yeah. segments. They're all from different spaces. You see that. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like all of that, all of that lingo didn't originate with one person. Like if you traced mm -hmm. it back, it would come from different groups, different people, like different, you know, media per se. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be like one person who just yeah. like spread it out. And like, that's, that's Shakespeare here. Well, I, I don't think it came through in my notes well, but I definitely was uh, went through a journey watching this. At first, I'm like, okay, they're definitely going with the uh, the Shakespeare English. Okay, getting that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what they were going to do for sure that. And then I'm like, okay, I feel a little like like an art student, and mm -hmm. you know, next up is Poetry Slam. I felt like a little yeah. pretentious inside, and yeah. then. And then it continued on. I was like, but now all of a sudden it's like, this sounds, I started to sound beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, like you say, like a cadence or something. It started to be at first, I'm like trying to really focus, you know, what are they saying? And then it sort of just like fit. And yep. I don't know. 
it just just kind of mellows you out after a while yeah and mm -hmm. uh so I, I i thought that ended up being uh pretty beautiful watching because i haven't watched much really uh either in terms of like you know reading is one thing but then watching it being performed you know another and yeah and yeah. i mean as as any student of shakespeare will tell you shakespeare is meant to be spoken there's there's just something that's lost in simply reading it, even though I do. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's just such a language meant to be spoken, and just the inflection, the cadence, give you so much clue to the meaning that it's so much harder when you just read. So yeah, this is this is you know if you want to get into Shakespeare, performance is where it's at. Nice. So. Um... How have you seen, how many other versions of Macbeth have you seen put to film or stage? Um, so I've seen Macbeth once on stage. Um, like I said, there's, there's not a lot of call for Macbeth on the stage. It's, it's, people get very skittish in the theater about it. Um, and then I've seen... My favorite adaptation of Macbeth is Ian McKellen and Dame Judi Dench mm. in film. And it's it's very much like this, where it's it's not black and white, um, but it's more like a taped production on a soundstage. Mm -hmm. And there's much less even scenery um, mm -hmm. and much less, you know, kind of surrounding backdrop. So it's very like... You know, BBC took a, a, I think they did actually, um, kind of just quickly through a staged adaptation that they were doing over at the Royal Shakespeare Company and and filmed it, which they do quite often. Sure. Mm -hmm. But just watching those two actors do this is amazing. And this movie felt very reminiscent of those performances. Um Especially because while Ian McKellen and Judy Dench were younger then, mm -hmm. they were still older typically than Mac than what you think of Macbeth is. Oh, okay. And I think there's something about like how we know Ian McKellen and Judy Dench now. You just sort of like perpetually see them as older. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they're just like yeah. perpetually like in their fifties and sixties at least to yeah. me. Like there's there's not like twenty year old Ian McKellen somewhere. It just doesn't happen. He just well, our leads right over. in this one weren't aren't particularly young. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that was actually pretty unusual um, mm. that they were this much older because usually Macbeth oh, is cast younger. Version. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's okay. why it sort of again reminded me of that. Like sure. we ripped it from the stage and and you know cast these two older leads in this, but just kind of took it a little bit more abstract, a little bit more art house. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we should talk about some specifics. Um, I, I don't know what drew me to this exactly. I guess it was the idea that I liked Macbeth when I read it and it was very odd slash interesting to see Denzel being Macbeth. So I was like, okay, what is this going to be like? like and in, um, in the sense of him being Macbeth specifically or him being in Shakespeare? Like him uh, sorry, being in Shakespeare, doing Shakespeare. 
Um, I guess both. I was thinking more about being Macbeth, but I guess when you, you mentioned, I suppose both. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on record before saying like, I think Denzel never comes off as not acting well. Like it's not, he's always solid. I just often see Denzel in a lot of the mm -hmm. roles a couple exceptions and yeah. you know i haven't seen every all of his films or whatever but um but when the film opened i thought okay it's cool i like this kind of trend that we're doing sometimes a four three aspect and black and white caught on quick with the whole kind of doing things um on a on a, like you say it's like on a set uh sort of thing so it did feel almost in a way as of watching a high production play mm -hmm. um I love the, I just really started falling in love with the look of it, like the mm. harsh shadows. Um, it was it's an interesting choices the way everybody, like so often they'd be coming right at the camera, very mm -hmm. center, central to the frame. Mm -hmm. And watching the special features later, then they had called out how they wanted to do this 4-3 to really focus on the performance of the actor, you really get up right. close or whatever. Um, and so I think that that carried through um see how would you like the presentation i i liked it for the most part there were aspects that i wasn't completely in love with um like the very kind of fakey looking starry sky it just okay. felt like you know even though i know a lot of other things um especially when they were kind of walking through the more natural parts of the world, you know, that when they were in the outside. Yeah. I know a lot of that was effects, especially because, you know, like you were saying, we, we watched the, um, the kind of, you know, bonus material talking about all of the effects that they did, especially at the end mm. where they were like moving grass and things like that. That, that didn't feel like, Hey, these are effects right now. Mm. Um, and then that sky really felt just, out of place somehow okay. just okay. not quite fitting so it wasn't often but i just felt like maybe something could have been done there um and especially i felt that way when francis mcdormand as lady macbeth was casting macbeth's fateful letter to her you know telling her like hey i met the weird sisters they named me thane of cawdor they said i was going to be king like we're going to talk about the great things that are in store for me now burn this letter and she did and then she sort of like opened a door and like cast it out into the cosmos and i was just like where is this what is that random you know closet door to space narnia um so yeah so i i didn't quite enjoy that aspect of it so the sky and the and the universe feel didn't didn't match what i felt from like you were saying kind of like the very shadowed and heavy kind of set looking things like everything mm -hmm. was you know when they were in a building was very like shadowed and geometric and there were bright white spaces and dark dark blacks um it just it didn't it didn't really fit that that okay. element of the set building okay yeah i i think to me it was one of the biggest positives and bringing something unique to this was mm -hmm. how ethereal it felt. So I, you know, it, it felt very, uh, it, not, it didn't feel particularly grounded, you know, like the, 
Yeah. There is moments where, because, you know, here's a picture right now, it's surrounded in fog and mist, and that was very common. And it just, it felt larger than real life um, mm -hmm. and not, um, and I, I like that. It felt like out of a, a place, out of time and space in a way. Um, I, it's almost I agree be like, with you. It's like if a doctor who the, the doctor visited some place and peered up and it's like, where am I? When yeah. am I? You know, it just and so it was kind of a cool way to tell this story that, you know, has been able to uh, impact people for many, many years, but in a very kind of like. So it was almost weird when they would talk about Scotland and things mm -hmm. that like that bring you back to reality in mm -hmm. a sense and place you. So. Yeah, I agree with you that I liked the very abstract nature of the setting. I think it's just very specifically the the element of space, if we're talking about cosmos space, that mm -hmm. didn't quite fit into the rest. Even though, you know, it didn't it didn't always match itself. Everything didn't, you know, look the same. Sometimes things looked more realistic. Sometimes things looked more abstract and geometric. And that was fine. Like I said, it was literally just that element of, you know, the universe that yep. felt off to me. And a couple of the other things we learned in the bonus content was how they painted on some shadows. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. They wanted to yeah. get like these very stark, specific shadows. And so they just, just paint them yep. on the set because uh, they had a lot of a lot of still camera shots. It's not mm -hmm. one of those things. So it's like sweeping, you know, panning shots and all that stuff. So that could work. And then um, that they used theater lights largely mm -hmm. for this, for like to, again, to reinforce the kind of stage feel and the harsh, intense lighting as yeah. opposed to like all the soft boxed kind of uh, theater lights they would always do. So or uh, movie theater, like cinema lights. Yeah. Movie so, lights. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I love that there were, you know, several different ways that they felt like they were calling out to to being on a stage. Um, you know, so, like I was saying, some of the, the backdrops felt very flat and static and it just felt like, you know, painted backdrops that, you know, go up on like the fly system and you interchange like here's yeah. generic slab, you know, <laughs> back building number one. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that was that was really fun. Um you know, every, everything felt so in the foreground, which is what you can do on a stage. You don't really have a whole lot of depth, you know, to go far, far back in and out. So, you know, I love that everything felt like, okay, we've only got this much space in the foreground to work with. So here's where we're going to be. Um, mm -hmm. Like you were saying, the very harsh lighting, the very white whites and deep blacks. Um, and then even like fade out in scenes. I really enjoyed that because it felt... In certain moments, it's very like hitting the note of like, here's the end of the speech. Here's where the actor would walk off the stage and the lights mm -hmm. would go dim and the audience would be clapping. Mm -hmm. You know, I almost expected to to hear that at times. Mm -hmm. So the timing on some of those was really great. Yeah. And the um, uh, looking at the camera, I caught that a few times. It's mm -hmm. like an actor looking at you in the audience. Indeed. You know? So, yeah, I thought that was fun as well. That that is such I'm just going to say as an actor, that is such a risky move sometimes. <laughs> I es bet. Especially yeah. if you're not a veteran, because sometimes you think, you know, like, oh, like, look out at my family. And then it just like jolts you out of whatever you're yeah. doing. And you're like, oh, my God, it's my mom. Blah. 
What was mm-hmm. I saying? What was I doing? You know, and sometimes it can be fine and sometimes it can be very funny, especially if you've got one of those like, oh, we're we're breaking the fourth wall moments. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we were at a show in Vegas. Uh, it was a great show. Mm-hmm. And it was on a small, small circular stage that they would do it. Um, comedy thing with a lot of like. Kind of tricks and feats of strength and such and um one woman clearly did not know what she was signing up for when she went here (laughs) for their like raunchy humor and stuff like that was not on board and it was bothering me as an audience member for one i'm like everyone else here is having fun and you, lady, are not. <laughs> and I can't stop looking at your sour face. Yeah. Um, it was clearly getting to the actors as well mm-hmm. because they're performing. And so I remember like like um, choir teachers saying, like, make a connection with someone. And if you can make them feel, you know, uh, you're, you know, that you're doing your job. If you can right. see it in their eyes, or if they're just like dead you're they're not selling it you know and so obviously you could can you could be connecting with that one person that's gonna be dead you can't yep, it's not feeling you can't it. get them yep yep <laughs> they eventually called this woman out and they're like you know are you enjoying this you know whatever and <laughs> oh, uh, she's like, she's like yeah she nods or whatever and then he's like well make your face show it or something Ooh. like that yeah it was like it, they I mean, it was with this guy's character, kind of. He was sure. kind, of a, kind of a snap, snap sort of guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and he would he'd be kind of mean. Uh, so he's, <laughs> I brought it up. But man, I don't think I made it better. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I made it better. Anyways, uh, yeah. Theater work. Yes. Theater work. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So, um, what are the things you really want to talk about with this? Um, I can go on with all kinds of stuff, but we got performances we haven't really talked about, how they yeah. did. And... Um, I am going to say that I really think Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth is the standout here. I'm not saying Denzel didn't do a great job, but I really think she especially nailed it. Everything about her character felt genuine and authentic. And every time she opened her mouth, it it was just like, naturally, this is what I'm going to say. You know, there was no artifice. There was no mm. reading lines. There was just her as Lady Macbeth saying what she felt, what she thought, what seemed so obvious to her. You know, I just... Yep. Every one of her monologues, I just thought she nailed it. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I you know, I still, I liked Denzel's performance. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good because it was one thing I was going to bring up. It's like, I think he's nominated for Best Actor here. I believe so. And so I was wondering, like, if it's deserved or not. You know, that's one of my questions going in. Um, um, I'm going to be mad if she's not nominated, I guess. And he is. Unless he's just got like a real weak field. Um, yeah. <laughs> Though I don't necessarily know that that should be taken into huge consideration, but. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Okay. Best actor, best actress. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Denzel Washington. He's nominated. Mm -hmm. And she is not. Oof, let's, I'm mad. Let's check supporting. Actor. I mean, maybe. Uh, no. Mad. Mad. So, yeah. She, so, because she deserves the, the nod more than he does. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. So, the field for best actor is Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew mm. Garfield, and Will Smith. Is Garfield for That's, Tick, Tick, Boom? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. So. Sorry, I was just trying to remember what. Yeah. In that would. Be I don't know in. any of those movies other than King Richard that Will Smith is in. I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. I so. know uh, Cumberbatch is The Power of the Dog, which I believe is a Netflix yes. film. Okay. Okay. Huh. And I know well, that's yeah. nominated for a lot, so I'm interested in seeing that. But tangent, we'll shelve that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I am. I am highly disappointed. Okay. Highly disappointed that she is not nominated because I I really just think she she outdid Denzel. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say it was just like a smearing, like not that he couldn't hold his no. own, but again, she she just edged him out in her performance. Everything just I, felt more true and authentic. I thought there were solid performances all around, pretty much. Yeah. You know, so I was happy with performances in general. But yeah, I agree that McNorman was a standout. Um, I will I will say out of the two Shakespeare films that I've seen Denzel in, I I do prefer him, I think, in Much Ado About Nothing. Where okay. he has where he has license to be funny and comedic and mm. expressive and grand as the Duke. Like he just he's just a little bit more fun. Mm -hmm. Um and I just feel like that fits him better not that he can't do you know this this level of seriousness and this level of tragedy i just think out of the two performances i think i prefer him in the i other. mean i loved him running running out of the dining hall chasing yeah. you know things not there and then you know oh it's it's banquo's up. ghost but it's a raven so it's the weird sisters just mm -hmm. playing games oh i loved that yeah and I love how the Weird Sisters were portrayed. I thought yes. it was so cool. So, so when you good. first see them, and it's like the one with two more reflections in the water, mm -hmm. and then become one. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. And then in the rafters, I just thought that was really fun. Yes. Also, I'm not going to lie. There were, there were some actors in here that I was just like, look at you from Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah? You know what I mean? Like Dudley was in there. Mm -hmm. He's Malcolm, yeah. the son. Um, and then the weird sisters were played by Catherine Hunter, who I believe is Arabella Fig, the uh. the squib who lived next door to Harry and like yeah has to testify right. that he sees the Dementors like or whatever. Um, yeah. And then I thought there was one more guy in there that I was just like, hey, guys, like you having a little reunion over here? So you see the guy on the screen right now? Uh, Ross, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
okay i went through the whole movie not knowing who that was <laughs> like, you don't say his name okay okay because I mean, i'm like I, uh they might once but they generally don't like like Macbeth is named often like duncan and banquo and mm -hmm. mcduff are all named quite often but yeah he yeah. is not i i really liked him in this i thought he was a interesting character and i didn't remember what he was gonna do so right you know it was yeah was he's a little beneficial. weasel man isn't he mm-hmm just snaking yeah. around, kind of being a little opportunist, serving whoever's working out for him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I liked his, I liked his, uh, his outfit. Like the clothes for him was very good. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he was, he was fun to watch. Um, I think I wrote down a couple of lines because you'd mentioned too, like, um, what uh Mr. Moody. Picking post. sorry sorry oh. i was i was trying to find the last harry potter guy oh Professor Moody. yes Duncan. of course of course yeah yeah I sorry it was really it was really that. bothering me i was like ah i'm missing Randy a big Gleason. one here yeah 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 okay anyway i was excited to see him too i just yes. i didn't make the connection and uh, yes moody of course yeah. well i mean so different like you know yeah He's got both eyes and a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I, I really, I have to say, while we're on the subject of him, I really enjoyed his performance um, when he realizes, you know, Macbeth is there to kill him. Like, what what an awful moment that he that you could just watch it transform on his face where he wakes up, he's kind of disoriented, but he sees a friend and he's trusting and, you know, Macbeth is like, oh, it's okay. Like, shh, it's fine. and He's still like, okay, like, you know, and then the mm -hmm. second his hand kind of creeps over his mouth and he just like, oh, shit, realizes. Yeah. Just what an incredible range to have to convey without words. And I think mm -hmm. he did a good job. Yep. Yeah, the whole the whole scene I liked a lot. The uh, going down the hallway with the large buds, mm -hmm. You know, the yes. dagger coming out of the sleeve, um, seeing footfalls. the dagger on footfalls the door. Very, like, yeah, footfalls very felt very important in this. They were always like this extra loud sound. Mm -hmm. I think I have a note about it somewhere. You know, there's just like, it's very like footsteps of doom. You know, your fateful mm -hmm. footfalls. It just felt like, you know, you're you're walking along this path and there was just this emphasis on that. So. Yeah, I really liked that walk too. Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I don't know what the line was that I wrote it in response to, but my response was, "I will not come for your woman's breasts." No, thank you. <laughs> so it's yeah, so it's it's Lady Macbeth basically saying like, you know, come spirits. She's like saying, "Come, you spirits, unsex me here." Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, come come for my woman's breasts and yes. and leech my milk and and fill it mm. with, I think like bile or something like that. Um, but yeah, so she's basically saying like, stop up all my human emotions and human tendencies, frailties, weaknesses. You know, my womanly heart that tends towards kindness. I have to be cold, unfeeling, cruel. You know, so take take of me. Like in Shakespeare's day, they were very very obsessed with like fluids. Because your different mm. fluids would, you know, tell like what kind of humors you had and had all effects on like your health and 
your disposition. So her reference to like milk is, you know, very apt for the time, of course. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's an odd way to phrase it. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. basically saying like stop up any like motherly, you know, instincts and caring that I might have for another so that I can do this horrible thing that I need to do for my husband. So is there a greater motivation than I, that I am not understanding for uh, Macbeth and his wife to so desire the throne? Like, is there, is there something more or like just a deserving feeling like we should have this and yeah idea that we're not being uh given this is such an insult like it's just a like a pride ego thing or yeah there's there's kind of several different themes especially in this movie that are explored in relation to that um i was you know kind of listening into the um the extra bonus material and then reading some articles online talking about, you know, these particular Macbeth's age, uh, Macbeth and his lady and how there's a really big thing about neither of them having any children. And Mm. so, and, and they changed a line. I, I don't remember which one, but in this version to, to kind of emphasize the fact that there's been that disappointment and that void in their lives. And so in this particular version, that's a bit of a reason where they have this like void and gap where they have no kids. So being king and queen kind of fill this vacuum and this, you know, empty Mm. space that they have. Um, In Shakespeare's original, there's not so much emphasis on that, but there is this, you know, one notion of the idea that when you've been told that this is your fate, Right. You know, like how far do you go to just like make it happen? How far do you like expect it to just come to you? And, you know, when there's like seeming obstacles in your way, like, you know, Macbeth is named Thane of Cawdor and he's like, oh my gosh, like this is so great. Like I'm eventually going to be named king. Like cool. And he seems very content to wait on that. But then suddenly Malcolm is named Prince and he's like, whoa, whoa, that's not what was supposed to happen. Like, how am I going to get around this obstacle? So mm-hmm. there's a there's a certain sense of like where do, how far do you go when you know what your fate is supposed to be? And yeah. It doesn't seem like it's happening, right? Um, so yeah, so that's yeah. definitely an aspect of that. How much of your destiny is in your hands, right? When you know your destiny, right? Right? Be. Yeah. What happens when you expect? things yeah. when you're promised things and it seems like they won't be fulfilled do you still trust that fate is going to make that happen or do you then say okay well this is an unforeseen obstacle i better make this happen mm-hmm. yep okay yeah i remember i remember in high school always being okay theme you know yeah power of suggestion power mm-hmm. of suggestion thing but. yeah um so I wrote down, is it common that not every, because I would think that if you are, I don't know, I guess this is kind of just maybe emblematic of how long Shakespeare has been done and how many times, Mm -hmm. because like for starters, it's weird to me that people don't have English or Scottish accents. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, is it normal for an actor to attempt the accent or to yes. like just, okay. Um, so, I would say in this one, it didn't bother me necessarily because we, we were talking about how abstract this is, how like out of place and time. There's just mm -hmm. certain references that you can't get out of Shakespeare, you know, talking about Dunsinane and Inverness, you know, they're, they're being in Scotland. Like you just can't. Right. You could, but I just think it would be so noticeable to try and take those references out. So it's really just like an abstract country of Scotland here. So I yeah. didn't particularly bother me, but yeah, it's, it's very normal in, in your traditional Shakespeare to attempt either. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of, that's kind of what I came to too, is like the accents and then like having a, at this point in time, a bunch of black people in Scotland is all mm -hmm. very odd. But again, I guess that's how I kind of rationalized it was just how, again, ethereal and like you say, out of time, this is feels, mm -hmm. you know, it's very artistic. Um, yeah. and it's like definitely a kind of film. I, wants to see more of like with like with the lighthouse even you know black and white yeah. four or three just kind of like going throwing it all out there you know being a little it's kind of the exact opposite of what i was complaining about you know as with hollywood and stuff it's very yeah. specific and it's yeah. very stylized and uh yeah yeah and, i think you can kind of see that reflection in you know critic scores on you know for rotten tomatoes for example is like a 93% and audience is like 76 that's okay mm -hmm. it's okay yeah. that like 90% of the audience also didn't love this it's not a movie for everyone it's yeah. still good clearly mm -hmm. but yeah it's fine yeah <laughs> i i had a there's a, a couple lines i had to write down that i liked mm -hmm. a lot um mm -hmm. Your leafy three screens throw down. I, I like that for whatever reason. It's just like the forest is moving and it like, yeah. yeah, just your leafy that, screens throw down. That, that like, was a like, fun staging. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and then um, unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. Mm -hmm. I liked that line a lot. Uh, yeah, I I like it as well because it sort of talks about this like spiral effect that Macbeth gets into, you know, once he starts with the murder of Duncan and he's like, Oh shit, I now got to murder his, you know, attendants. Now yeah. I got to murder these other people. Now I got to murder these other people. And it's just like spirals, like out of control because mm -hmm. every person keeps being a problem. Like it never stops being a problem for him. Mm -hmm. And he never just gets to like enjoy being King. Cause there's always somebody who's suspicious and always somebody he's like, Oh, maybe if I just kill them, all of the questions will stop. Nope, they didn't. Okay, now it's this person that I got to kill. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It, so I didn't know if is it in my head or was it intentional? I took note that it seemed like servants and more common people spoke more plainly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I, that's. I mean, there's not a lot of children in Shakespeare. Um, but it's often true that that servants um, or attendants or, you know, kind of the, yeah, the lower the class, kid, if you will, yeah. speak more plainly. Mm -hmm. You know, Shakespeare does does distinguish class at times for certain. 
Because when the two attendants were kind of talking about Lady Macbeth as they're witnessing her in the, mm. the courtyard mm -hmm. and stuff, they just seemed like it was a more simple kind of yeah. talk. And then the mm -hmm. kid that's talking to his mom later, death, um, yeah, mm -hmm. it seems very, again, it's like, wow, I, like I, I don't have to think at all about what you're saying. It's just mm. like, you know, so I didn't know if it was, uh, it's just something I was getting used to, or if it seemed, seemed more intentional. So, yeah, like I said, there's not often children or like true young children. There might be like teens, basically, in mm -hmm. Shakespeare, but yeah, servants and the like usually talk a bit more plain. Yep. Um, what I else do you say, have to say about this? So I have to say, you know, if we're talking favorite lines, there are a couple that I wrote down because I loved um, one of my favorites is talking about that the death of the original Thane of Cawdor very early on. And Ross comes in to report to Duncan, you know, like, hey, it's done. It's all good. And he's like, nothing became him in life like the leaving of it. And I was just like. <laughs> Damn, that's <laughs> such a cold eulogy. <laughs> like you did nothing good in life except die. That was the one good thing you did. Just <laughs> oof. You know, Shakespeare can way be to cold. It. it is. It's a, it's a pretty way to say it. But I mean, when you stop and think about it, oof, that's ice. <laughs> um, so I love that one. Let's see. Um. I really liked, oh, the line that Lady Macbeth has um, where she talks about things without remedy should be without regard. And she's basically mm. saying, you know, like things that can't be fixed, you know, aren't worth your time thinking about because there's no right. solution to fixing them. And yeah. it's it's a great line. And it's such like a God, if it only it was that easy. You know, Macbeth sure. obviously struggles with it, and so do we all. You know, there, mm -hmm. there are things that, you know, we can't go back and undo, or there are problems that, you know, we, we want to solve, but we can't, or there are thoughts that we have that we feel like, oh, why am I dwelling on this? Mm -hmm. and, and yet you do, and it's just, you know, I don't know. I, what's what's that, the line, that line again? Is, uh, things with, uh, where is it? Things without remedy should be without regard. Okay. The problems yeah. that can't be solved don't bear thinking about. That's good because I, I say all the time, I'm like, if you, you know, don't worry about the things for which you do not have control over, mm -hmm. you know, like I say it all the time. So this is a more concise, nice yeah. way to say it. I it's should... good. It's good. Mm -hmm. um, and then speaking of like phrases that we still use, um, I really love the line, screw your courage to the sticking place. Because it reminds me immediately, because I'm such a big, big nerd of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, where Gaston is like rallying up the villagers to go get the beast. And he's like singing his song about like, yeah, we're going through the night and mm -hmm. he like gathering up all his men. And he's like, screw your courage to the sticking place. It's like ah. Disney. Disney just like ripped a whole line of Shakespeare. And we totally mm. got it. So, like, look at that. Look at that whole <laughs> phrase that came from Shakespeare that we still used in the 90s to convey, yeah. you know, go be a man and go face your thing. Like, go be courageous. You think you think Disney is referencing Shakespeare anymore these days? I mean, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, probably not, uh, probably not as overtly as they, they did in some, like the Lion King is basically just like one big animated fuzzy version of Hamlet. So, you know, (laughs) sure. Um, but yeah, it's just like, ah, look at that. See, like even, even in today's world, we use phrases like that and we just like know what it means. Um, is there anything you really had issue with or didn't? didn't like at all uh you know yeah there was there was something and again this is kind of on the smaller side but it was so so distracting this is the perfect shot so you see we're at the we're at the back of you know if you're watching video we're at the back of francis mcdormand's head mm-hmm. and we're where the camera lens is focused beyond her to denzel Mm-hmm. There were multiple times during shots like these when Frances McDormand was speaking and you could see her mouth moving and the sound absolutely did not match her lip movements. It was so far off that sometimes her mouth would be fully closed and sh- and like the, the words were still happening in the voiceover. Was there something wrong with your sound system? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know this for sure. It happened way too many times to be okay. like some weird glitchy thing. So please somebody go back and fix that because it really took me out of some great speeches and great moments by Francis McDormand. That's crazy. I wonder if I like I'd probably see that now next time watching and it would drive me crazy because I didn't notice it at all. It so. it caught my eye a little bit when she has that first um, soliloquy when she's talking to Macbeth after she like kind of wakes up from her her nap and she sees him and they're, you know, hugging and she's kind of holding on to him. And there's like a camera angle from the back of her head. And I just sort of caught like, Oh, that, that speech didn't match those lip movements. And then I was like watching again. I'm like, it's still not matching. And then in that scene, I just pointed out the same thing happened. And I was like, somebody's got to fix that. Huh? Well, that's why she didn't get nominated because they said (laughs) that her lips weren't lining up right. Oh God! Her fault. So yeah, some some mm-hmm. sound designer somewhere's got it coming. Yep. Um. Yeah, I just took I took quite a few notes on this. I uh, I I didn't know what I was going to think of it. I really I really mm-hmm. had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought I just really dug the vibe, uh, and the the way it was shot, and enjoyed the performances. So. Yeah, I kind of, I actually was going to watch it with me and it didn't quite work out. And I'm like, well, if you want to want to watch it, I'll watch it again yet. Because it's not that super long either. That was nice. Yeah. It's not this like, it's not a three hour thing, you know, right. it's not drawn out. It feels like stuff keeps moving and keeps happening. And uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I feel like it's a really solid and good movie. It's well made. There's nothing I would point to that says, like, this is the obvious weak link. Um, it's not perfect, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I, I really found myself um, clicking with in the bonus material is, you know, just talking about the way that Francis McDormand and Joel Cohn worked as a, as a husband and wife team. And I was like, mm-hmm. what a perfect play for that to happen on about, yeah. you know, a husband and wife team, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get on the same page. It, Cause sometimes, you know, the Macbeths really are, and sometimes they're not like, sometimes one of them is going further and the other is like, Ooh, 
Like, I didn't know we were going there. And then sometimes, you know, the other one goes a little bit further and they're like, oh, man, OK, I, I guess, you know, we're taking it to the next level. I, you know, I don't know if it is be enough to be considered a stereotype or not, but I like the um, I felt true to life to me in in a lot of ways. Like when Macbeth lets her know of what he's heard that he can become, mm -hmm. she is so ready, like do this, you know, yeah. she is so it's amped happening. and like, you need to make this happen. And so it's one of those things like, you know, uh, having this woman by your side, that's like pushes you, you mm -hmm. know, to go somewhere or whatever. It's like a hugely motivated promotion or yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do it kind of. And, and um, so they ends up doing it and we get to a point where it's like, okay, now maybe, pump the brakes. Yep. Like, you know, I know I wanted you to do this, but can we just like not let's take it back a step. And, yep. and then it just, yeah, like spirals. I didn't mean for control. it to go this far. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's a, it's a great, like, you know, careful what you wish for, but then, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I liked how that all played out mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I like, I want to, I kind of want to see him, uh, I, you know, for me to absorb more Shakespeare, I feel like I need, uh, Cohen and McDormand to make another one in this kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not the most popular, but any of the histories would, uh, become them. Well, I think there's plenty of older women's roles there that McDormand could slide into. It's hard because when you think of like a lot of Shakespeare's, uh, I mean, Hamlet obviously would be a really great one. She would be an excellent Gertrude, I think. Um, but yeah, when you, when you think of Shakespeare, there's, you know, the most popular plays, it's really geared, you know, for younger actors and younger mm -hmm settings so it's just yeah it's hard to figure out what she could do but well hamlet, and be okay hamlet would being, be good I, i'd be you know if she's like just a kind of side character and like largely takes on a co-directing role like sure. i'd be fine with that too you know but yeah i just i, just I think wanna... after this performance i'd love to see her again so yeah yeah yep like i said hamlet yeah, would be a good one because that would that would have a good uh, role for her to fit into nice well Let's, uh, let's tweet at him, you know, Make get it happen. Our millions of followers to tweet at him as well. <laughs> and, uh, Start a movement. Yeah, right. Oh my God, what else are we going to do tonight, John? You wrote a movie, we're starting a movement, like, mm -hmm. man, yeah, we're crushing this Monday thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, yeah, unless there's anything else that's been uh, the tragedy of Macbeth mm -hmm. from Apple TV+. Plus. And, yeah, thumbs um, up. Yeah, I think it's a, a well done movie and definitely worth your time. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, if you have the subscription, go and check it out. Give it time for your brain to acclimate to the the dialogue and the the presentation. <laughs> like you know, just give yourself a minute, and it'll it'll get there. So, um, yeah, we've covered a lot today. That's been Popcast on the Rocks, episode ninety nine. Next Just week is 100, yeah, the official <laughs> 100. So um, 
I'm thinking we'll be talking about the final two episodes of Raised by Wolves, mm-hmm. I believe. So seems like a good thing to talk about on the 100th episode. Absolutely. Killing the Flower, they wrote our theme song. So you should check them out on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube. And you can follow us on here on Twitch or on YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, all those kinds of things. Just search Popcast on the Rocks. If you're an audio-only listener, this is like podcasts. We're on a lot of podcast services. Please leave us a review at whichever one you choose to use. And um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrea. Of course. Couldn't miss a Shakespeare episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cheers, everybody.